the Lord. He is great and worthy of praise. Oh, you. 
He invites us to build our lives upon the rock, our assurance, and Him. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Oh 
Lord, we thank you, God, that you invite us um, into that, God, to be led by you, Lord, to be shown your love, God, to experience firsthand and intimately, Lord, just how crazy you are about us, God. We thank you so much that we can celebrate in the truth that nothing can shake your love for us, God, and we pray that we will have open hearts and open hands to receive that love and to call out your name, Abba, Father. We thank you for the access that you've given us through the blood of your son. And Lord, we pray that we'll walk in boldness and confidence before the throne to proclaim your goodness and to ask um, for healing in this nation, Lord, in this world, God, for your glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Hello, family and friends. I sure hope you're doing well. Welcome back to uh, Burlington Christian Church in our virtual worship. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we are, uh, I'm so excited just to be again uh, with you and uh, to be able to share with you from God's word and talk about things that are really important in the midst of a lot of craziness. The world is a bizarre place, you know, everything going on is just really, really weird, uh, really strange and all kinds of just new developments as, as we go each day. It's just crazy, isn't it? But here's the thing. God is at work in the midst of it all. And he is, uh, he knows, he's aware of everything that's happening. And he's in the middle of it all. He's growing his people just like storms make uh, trees stronger. Uh, and just like uh, testing in our own life makes us better and stronger and more equipped for whatever's next. God is doing that. He's at work. And he's growing us up in our faith. And that's what's happening in, in the midst of all of this. So I'm excited about that. We are in the book of Philippians. And, and we're moving through this. I know that we've been in this book for a while. But there's so many good things that Paul says that God has for us in this letter, in these four chapters, that we're just taking a little bit of time to just soak it in and see what Paul is saying to them and how that would apply then to us. What he's doing is he's building truth into their lives. He's, he's like, like, a, like a good contractor. He is putting these solid blocks of truth into their lives. Like he's giving them some really, really good treasures from heaven that if they will, and if we will, like listen to what Paul says and and, and, and begin to figure out what God wants to do with that truth in my life. It'll make us better people and stronger people. And these believers that Paul is writing to in Philippi, you know, remember Paul's in Rome and he's in jail and he's writing this letter to them. Um, these truths are, are for them and these are a new uh, group of believers. The, the, the church has not been around that long. Uh, Paul, you know, on his second missionary journey, he, he started this church and then he visited this, this group of Christians on his third missionary journey. Now he's in jail. And, and by the way, Acts chapter 16 is a really cool uh, uh, description of how this church began with a, a lady by the name of Lydia uh, who sold uh, material that was mostly purple. And um, the church that met uh, there in Philippi and, and, and the abuse and the, the hate that Paul endured in that city and how the church just kind of grew through those trials. Acts 16, you're going to want to read how this church began. It's a great, great story of a beginning of a church that now is growing. And Paul 
Paul is writing to them, and he's just trying to encourage them to keep moving forward in their faith. And he's got some nuggets of truth. Well, we're moving on now. Chapter, we're in chapter 3 for our next truth. And, I, and I, hope, I hope and pray that as we dig into this one, that you'll just let God speak to your heart. That whatever's going on in your room right now or at your house or in your neighborhood or in your community or in the world, that, um, that we could just kind of slow down for a minute and just let the Word of God like, just kind of penetrate our mind. And our heart, okay? Because that's what matters. is isn't just about what we know. It's about how what we know about God changes us, making us more like Jesus. Because that's where God's going with you and with me. Look what he says, chapter 3, verse 7. He says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider a loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and to participate in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Now, there is a lot of amazing things that Paul just said. I mean, if, if you will just, if I hope you got your Bibles open or your app open, and you're looking at these verses, verses 7 through 11, chapter 3 of Philippians, and that you will just kind of look at these verses as I kind of dig into them a little bit here today, okay? Go with me with this. Let's focus on the Word of God. And here's the thing, the truth that Paul is going to share in these verses is this truth right here. It's truth number 16, and it's this, to know Christ. That's what Paul wants to, to do in his own life first, and then for these uh, Philippian believers that are on the other side of the country, Paul wants for them to know Christ. And, and what God wants this morning for you and me is that we would hunger and thirst to know Christ as well, to know Christ. Well, well, Paul breaks this down for us. He breaks it down, these verses, into some groupings. And uh, he gives us these, these groupings about knowing Jesus. And these, these groupings, these words and these, these little thoughts that Paul includes in this little section, they're powerful. They're powerful thoughts. They're powerful truths from God. They're also heartfelt. I mean, this is Paul like pouring out his heart to people, like to others, like urging them and challenging them because he loves them and because he loves God and he wants, he wants the people in his life that he knows to have a relationship with the God of all creation, not just for salvation's sake, not just so that we go to heaven and we're saved from this evil world that is going down the tubes, but so that we can grow and walk with God every day on the earth right now. 
so that the things that challenge us and the things that come our way in this world won't bother us because we know we are walking like hand in hand with the maker of everything, the one who has power over all things. So that's what Paul wants. So it's very heartfelt. It's very powerful. And, and these thoughts, these groupings, they have like this laser focus. And Jesus, Jesus is the center. This is important for a number of reasons. Like here's, here's why it's important for us to, to be reminded of these things and to be like focused on these things is because one, we get sidetracked real easy. Like don't we, like even like right now when we're listening to someone preach or we're, we're in a Bible study, our mind, our mind wanders, you know, we just are prone to wander. We like, even if we're looking at you, you know, like, like you do with your wife sometimes or she does with you, like you're looking at the person, but nothing's going in, you know what I mean? You're like, you're like somewhere else. So we, we're prone to that, not just in conversation and with a pe- group of people or at church or wherever, but in life, we just quickly, like we see things and we just, we just kind of move in a different direction. We forget where we're supposed to be going. So we're easily sidetracked. And we're, we're people, we're people. And we let physical things sometimes like things that we can touch and feel and hold on to and reach for, we let those, we let those um, take the place of other things in our life that are more important, like, like God and the truth of his word and things like that. And so, so what Paul says here about knowing Jesus is important for a lot of reasons. Well, he gives us this first group, okay? This is group number one, verses seven and eight. Okay? And look what Paul says here. He says a few things. And what he's trying to say is this. Group number one is about the greatness of Jesus. He's just flat out just like, like it's like bragging on the greatest player in the NBA or, or you know, Michael Jordan, right? Uh, it's like bragging on the greatest quarterback that ever played the game, like, you know, Doug Flutie. Uh, it's like bragging on like the best college team that that you may believe to be ever the greatest, like Duke, you know, or something like that. Like, like Paul is saying, like, Jesus is the greatest. He is the greatest that will ever live. No president, no king, no ruler, no anything even compares to the greatness of Jesus. And look at verse 7. Look what he says. He says, Christ is greater than anything else. Christ, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider a loss for the sake of Christ. In other words, Jesus is so great in my life. Jesus is so important to me that there's nothing, nothing, no people, no family, no, no treasure, no nothing that even comes close to the greatness of Jesus in my life and, and the, to knowing Jesus, like nothing even comes close. In verse eight, he says, knowing Jesus, look what he says, surpasses everything else. What is more, I consider, Paul says, everything else is a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus, my Lord. Paul is like, he's just saying to these Philippian believers, like, Guys, whatever you're doing with your life, whatever your job you have, whatever hobbies you enjoy, whatever things you do, remember that Jesus, knowing Jesus, is greater than all of those things put together. And that's the first thing Paul's trying to say to these guys, that that Christ, Christ Jesus, 
is my Lord. Look what he says. Knowing the worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Like of all the good things in the world and all the great things that you could probably put on a list, far above all of them, Paul is saying, is knowing Christ. Knowing Christ Jesus as my, and he makes it very personal, not our, he is our Lord. Paul says, this is personal for me. Knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. Now, the second grouping Paul gives to us, group number two, has a couple of truths to it. And he said, he's basically saying this. First thing is, is that Jesus is greater than anything. And then the next thing he's going to kind of say in these verses is this, is nothing even comes close. There's, there's not, nothing in second place is so far away from first place, Jesus, that there's no comparison in the world to who he is and what his authority is and his power and his ability and, and who he is as a person and who he is as our God. Nothing in this world or nothing that this world has to offer would even come close to Jesus. Verse 7 he says, But whatever were gains to me, kind of overlapping verses here as we kind of look through these verses, he says, Whatever were gains to me, I now consider a loss for the sake of Christ. Paul says, for the sake of Christ, like be, because of Jesus and, and for the cause of Jesus and his mission and what he came here to do. Paul, what Paul has done is he's counted the cost. He's counted the cost of, of life and treasures and all the things that you could chase after and go after, and he did. And he's weighed them like he has weighed his options. And his conclusion is this. You can have it. You can have it all. You can have all the treasures of this world. I don't want any of it if I can have Christ. If I can have Christ, I don't need anything else. Like, like the ways of this world versus the ways of God. There is, Paul is saying, there's no comparison there's no chance that they even could compete for each other. <clears throat> and yet, most people chase after the lesser. We chase after the things that are here and now, and things we can see and taste and smell. And the one who is greatest, who isn't even close to the rest, we ignore or we neglect or we just don't take the time to get to know. We're, 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 we're estranged from him because we're too familiar with things that we can grab onto or hold onto. He says in verse 8, I consider them, look at the word garbage, that I may gain Christ. He says any gains outside of Jesus, anything that I have maybe accomplished in my life, they are rubbish. They are junk. They are trash. The word actually means like dung, like cow dung. Like Paul is trying to make a, a point here that anything that all of all of the accomplishments that you could ever gather together are a heap of dung compared to knowing who Jesus is at best, at best, what he's saying here at the very best, he's saying these these uh, these these. Gains 
are like scraps that you would throw to the dogs, like out on the street or to the pigs. They're like our treasures, like we treasure our treasures, like we, we, we love our trophies, we, we love our accomplishments, we love our medals, we love our championships, we love all the things that we accomplish in this world. But Paul is saying, look, in the end, the whole pile of those is like trash compared to knowing the creator of the universe. And, and, and that's like a shocking, it's almost a slap in the face in some ways, especially if you're the kind of person that chases after accomplishments or goals. You know, in this world, those are things that we do chase after. Those are things that we, we put our, 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 our hand into the ring and we go. But if we forget, if we think for a minute that those things in and of themselves are going to gain you anything beyond this world, we've been deceived. Knowing Christ is the treasure, the greatest treasure that we will ever have on this earth, and it is the greatest treasure that we'll ever have beyond this earth, and those other treasures won't even get you close to that. They won't get you one inch in that direction. And that's what Paul's trying to say to these guys. Like, in comparison, heaven blows away all of the gains of this world. Keith Green wrote a song and he said, in his song, Keith Green said, he took six days to make the earth. And, and when we look at the earth, the Grand Canyon and Niagara Falls and, and places that are just beautiful and gorgeous, we go, wow, this is crazy. Six days God took to make this. And then Keith Green goes on to say, but he's been working on heaven for 2,000 years. Can you imagine? Can you imagine heaven compared to earth? I mean, there's no comparison. You can, there's not even words in the English language or on the planet that would even begin to describe how awesome and amazing heaven will be. The scriptures give us some idea or inclination of what heaven will be like with streets of gold and, and all this awesome stuff and all the jewels and the rubies and stuff. And you, it's we're walking on gold. Like that's, that's just like the best that, that God could do for us as humans to help us realize just how much greater it's going to be then what we walk on as dirt. We walk on dirt roads and pavement and concrete and in heaven it's gold. And, and it's just uh, like, get ready. It's um, so much greater, so much better. Whatever, Paul says, whatever gains to me here on the earth, Paul is saying, like, whatever I have managed to accomplish in my life, whatever, uh, whatever trophies, whatever medals, whatever treasures, whatever money, whatever homes, Paul says, all those are gains to me. When I take all those things and I compare them to knowing Jesus, they're trash. In the garbage can they go because in comparison, they're no, they don't even come close. And then, and then the third group, he comes to this third group, and it's group number three, and he says some things in here that are really powerful. He, Paul, Paul wants, Paul wants, look what he says, I want to know Christ, I want to know Jesus, and what he's trying to say is, I want to know Jesus Intimately, Like, I want to know Jesus. Like, not just a head knowledge of who Jesus is up here that I know who God is, but a heart knowledge of who God is that involves emotion, that involves my feelings, that involves, like, everything about me, the very core of my being. Like, we may know things. You go to school, we learn things, and we know things. 
But we don't love things. We don't love those things. We just have to learn them because we know there's going to be a test at the end of the semester that we're going to have to pass. And so we have to know this stuff. Well, that's as far as most things go. Paul's saying, no, I don't want to just want to know God. I don't want to just know Christ. But I want to know Christ, like deep within the core of who I am. I want everything about God to be like alive and moving and transforming my life. I want to have a love for God that, is, that hungers and thirsts for the deepest, the deepest understanding of who he is. Totally different than just knowing who God is. See, religion is about knowing things. Religion is about knowing God. A relationship with Jesus is far more than knowing. It's about loving. It's about being changed by, transformed by, and walking with on a daily basis. That's deep. And that's what Paul is after here. And in this group, he wants to know Jesus intimately. It's a deep desire. It's a thirst for something. That's what Paul does. He, I want to know, he says, Jesus and the things of God. And remember where Paul has come from. Paul wasn't always this faithful, good Christian kid. He wasn't a PK, you know, grew up in a, in a, in a preacher's house like that. That's not how Paul grew up. Paul grew up as a Pharisee, and his father was a Pharisee. So Paul had, like, the religious up, you know, upbringing, and he had, like, this sense of uh, clout among the people because he was a religious leader. They looked up to him. He had wealth. They lived in, in good things. You know, they had everything they needed. Paul was a Pharisee, though. You almost could say that Paul, when it came to Jesus, was an atheist. Even though he believed in God, he did not believe in Jesus. Do you remember when, when Jesus met Paul in the book of Acts? We, you can read about that there, the story of Paul coming to know Jesus. Paul was persecuting Christians. He was going after anyone who believed in this faith, this new faith in Jesus. He was going from town to town, seeking out people and persecuting them and killing them. That's what Paul was doing when he was on the road, when he met Jesus. And Jesus appeared to Paul, and Paul was blinded, remember, and then Paul was converted. And Paul then believed in Jesus. Paul went from total disbelief and a persecutor of Jesus to now writing letters like this one to the Philippians, where he says, I want to know Jesus. And he gives us some things that he really wants to know that are powerful, okay? Check this out. First thing he says is uh, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ Jesus. So the first thing Paul wants to know, he wants to know these five things is this. He wants to know this righteousness that we gain through faith, not in the law. Notice what he says there. It's not about keeping certain rules and regulations and doing this and don't doing that. He wants one that is based on a relationship with the God of all creation, Paul wants to know a righteousness that is based on, on trust. It's based on trust and trust in the work of Jesus. Trust in the person of Jesus. Trust in the one who can cleanse my sin. Doing good deeds, following the law, being religious is never going to cleanse one single sin ever. The blood of bulls and goats will not cleanse a sin. 
Being good to your mom or being nice to people isn't going to cleanse your sin. The only powerful thing that can cleanse your sin is Jesus and his blood shed on the cross. A personal relationship. And Paul says, I want to know this righteousness that I gained through Jesus. And it's by faith. Faith and faith alone. Second thing he says in verse 10 is this. He says this. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection. The first thing is righteousness. The second thing is, I want to know the power of his resurrection. See, that's our only hope. Our only hope is in the ultimate work of Jesus, right? The healings and the teachings and the miracles, what they did was they showed his authority. They, they proved to the world that watched who Jesus was, that he was greater than any person that ever lived in the earth. No one's even close, no system, no religion, no nothing is ever even close to who Jesus is. But what they did was they set him up for demonstrating the greatest power that anyone has ever demonstrated on the planet, and that is Jesus saying that he would die, be buried, and rise again, and then Jesus dying, being buried, and rising again, and hundreds and hundreds of people seeing Jesus alive after that. Paul says, I want to know, not just up here, I don't want to just read about the resurrection of Jesus. I don't want to just have a head knowledge about the resurrection of Jesus. Paul says, I want to know, deep in here, I want to know the power of the resurrection. The third thing is, Paul says, is I want to participate. Look what he says. Yes, to know the power of the resurrection and the participation in his suffering. Paul's like, I want, I want to, to not just serve God. I don't want to just give for the sake of God or to sacrifice like Jesus did. I want to know, I want to know intimately and deeply and, and, and share in the sufferings of Christ. That although Jesus is the greatest person to ever live on the planet or to come to this earth, the way that Jesus was treated for righteousness sake or for truth, or because he, he was who he said he was, the son of the living God, what that got Jesus was lots of followers, lots of people loved Jesus. He did a lot of good things for a lot of people and they loved him for it, but he also, he also was that sword that separated evil from good. And all those on the side of evil wanted Jesus dead. And Paul is saying, look, I want to stand up in this world for good and for truth and for righteousness and for the things of God. And I know what that's going to gain me is suffering because evil does not want that around. And evil will do whatever it can to get it out. Evil will do all that it can to lie and manipulate to control. That's what evil does. And Paul is saying, look, I want to participate in the sufferings of Jesus. The next thing he says is, look at this. He says, and become, becoming, to know the power of his resurrection, to participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. So this is the fourth thing Paul says, to become like Jesus in his death. Now Paul's not saying I want to be like Jesus as the Savior. I am not the Savior but, as, but in humble service to the king who came to rescue me. I want to give my life just like Jesus gave his life for me. I want to give my life for him. And if that means dying 
for the cause of Christ, then, then that is gain. That's a greater gain than all the other stuff that anyone could gain in this world. Paul's saying, I want to become like him in his death. And then Paul says, verse 11, he says, the last thing there, he says, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. Now that's the ultimate, right? Because you could serve God, you could love God, you could know about God, you could have Jesus deep within your heart. Paul's like, I want to suffer with Christ. If that means suffering, I'll, I'll do it. Paul's like, I I'll die with Jesus. I will die for Jesus. I will do whatever it takes to share the good news. And if they kill me, so be it. And then Paul says, but you know what? It's not over there. Because I want to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Now that is in incredible. Paul is already, already wanting to identify and know Jesus after the grave. Like most of our goals are on this side of the grave. Paul is already like going, I'm setting a goal. My goal is when I die, I'm going to rise again with Jesus. I want to attain to the resurrection from the dead. I'm looking forward to that day. Paul is like, he's anticipating it. So here's the thing, to know Christ, to know Christ, that's probably out of all the truths that Paul shares everywhere and anywhere, in the scriptures, this longing, this desire, this, this deep wanting to know Christ is probably the greatest truth that we can grab onto to know Jesus, not just here, but right here. Like to really feel the presence of God in my life, not an emotional feeling thing like that. I mean, to, to, to be changed by him, to know Jesus. You guys remember the, the Rocky movie? where uh, Rocky is talking to his son, remember? And Rocky says, it's not about how hard you get hit, right? He says, it's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. Well, Paul, what Paul is trying to say is this. Paul is trying to say, look, be focused on Jesus. Desire and hunger to gain, not treasures, but to gain Christ. Paul says in verse 9, he says, keep hungering and thirsting to be found in Jesus. When, when the day comes and, and everything that we know it ends, that when Jesus comes back, he will, he will find you living in him, hungering for him, thirsting for him. There will be no doubt on his mind that you you out of millions of people on the planet, you are one of his children. It's written all over your heart. It's written all over your mind. It's really written all over your soul. It's written all over your behavior. It's written all over your actions. It's written all over your life. I don't mean religious stuff. T-shirts, like look at my t-shirt, Jesus. I'm talking about when he looks through your eyes and into your heart, he knows. There's no doubt that you have lived your life wanting to know him. And no matter what happens on this earth, no matter how hard this world hits you, no matter how many times you get knocked down or I get knocked down, none of that should matter because what matters is that we keep moving forward with God because he will bring you through anything. And even if it's your last battle and you go down and you never get up again and death comes knocking on your door, we can, like Paul, have the confidence to say, you know what? 
That's okay, because my last goal on this planet was to attain to the resurrection from the dead. And I'm looking forward to that day, whenever God says it's time. That kind of life is a life of confidence. That kind of life is a life of power. That the things of this world really just don't matter in comparison to the greatness of Jesus. And Paul's saying to them, look, keep moving forward in your faith. No matter what, just keep moving forward in your faith. Paul says, I want to know Christ. And I think what Paul is then saying to you and me today is this, do you want to know Christ? How badly do you want to know Jesus? Like how much are you willing to give or to sacrifice or to focus your life and hunger and thirst to know him? Not here. But here, where your life is changed and you are becoming more and more like Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. I pray you'll, you'll move in our lives, you'll continue to speak to our hearts, and you'll continue to draw us close to you, God. We love you. Thank you for every person listening in this morning. We pray, God, that you would just bless every life, every heart, and give us a hunger and a thirst for you, Lord. We love you so much. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Maybe now you, you'll want to take communion or, or, or do something along those lines. Maybe take some time to pray uh, for a few moments as you kind of think about what was just shared with you about this verse, uh, Philippians 3, 7 to 11. Maybe, maybe as a group, you're with some other people, you just want to talk about it. Like, like what does it mean to know Christ? Or, or maybe just ask each other some questions and just kind of take it to another level in your own setting right now. If that's, if that's what you want to do, I, I pray to God that you'll do that. Maybe pray together as a group. But please be safe. Be safe. Be healthy. Be smart. And uh, this whole corona thing is going to come to an end. It's just a matter of time. It's a matter of being patient. And we love you. May God bless you. See you next time.